0: What did you learn from counseling?
1: What did I learn in counseling? First of all, I learned that it felt really good to process with a professional, just to like share where we're at. I also learned that we were actually pretty darn good going after fixing what we saw was broken. Um, I think we assisted our counselor fairly well because we came, like, kind of knowing what we needed at that point. Uh, In counseling, I learned how I have finished other people's sentences. (laughs) answered questions on behalf of people. (laughs) I loved it when she asked you a question and I answered and she looked at me and she was like, do you always do that? I was like, I don't know, I think so. (laughs) I don't know why I did it, but it was eye-opening because when you're talking and there's someone assessing you, It's just so different than a friendship, you know. You can have friends and you can, like, share and tell a story a certain way and they're just like, oh, wow, girl, that sucks, you know, like, whatever. I hear you, I hear your pain. But, like, when someone, you're paying someone to, like, listen with, like, an agenda to, like, give you some feedback at the end of it, it's just so different. It's, like, so it's very exposing and I think that I felt exposed and challenged. Um, you know, I have to admit though, I also was really um, not disappointed, a little bit let down as to how much how there was such a lack of feedback think I went expecting way more, here's the problem, here's what you do, here's what you do, and here's how you fix it. Like, I was looking for more of a clear road and more perspective, and I think maybe because we were doing so much work in our marriage and we were processing so much, um, perhaps we were just ahead of the game, I don't know, but you, when our marriage blew up, you contacted a friend of ours who was in counseling, and you said, send me three of the best counselors, and you were just like, I'm determined to get the best, and work this out, so we did, we, you know, she was, she was great, but I think I was just looking more so for an in-depth response from her. Um, what about you? How was the experience?
0: Yeah, I would agree with most of that. I think that there is different styles to counseling. There is the come in and spank you type of style, come in and educate you type of style. And then I think there's also the sit back and let you process kind of style. And all of them, and there might be other styles, but they're the ones that come to mind, but all of them are useful in different stages and for different reasons. And right at the beginning, we were really fragile. We were really fragile, especially after how some people had handled the information or the news. Mm -hmm. We were really fragile. Mm -hmm. And those first four to six weeks, really early on, Mm -hmm we needed someone just to sit and listen. Yeah, that's true. And guide that conversation a little bit, like navigate it a bit, ask some questions and and coach us through it. And we did counseling as a couple, like we were both there, and we did some individual sessions as well where just I went or just you went with the counselor. And she was fantastic yeah. at that. Oh. But it got to a point where we were doing so much work with her, we were doing a lot of work with friends and community, yeah. and we're also doing a lot of work in the church and and with some of the people around the church, which I guess would also class as our community. We're doing a lot of legwork at home, reading, listening, podcasts, all that kind of stuff we did we were doing a lot of work, so it got to the point where I would say we now moved into the phase of needing spanking, yeah, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think I was always up for spiking. I was like, come on, just like whip us into shape. I, you know, obviously we've made a mess of our relationship. We thought we knew how to do marriage. You know, I interned with more revolution. You know, our dating was amazing. What were we missing? You know, so here we are. Our marriage is a mess. Like, tell us what we suck at. You must know just by hearing how we talk, right? Like, give it to us straight, you know, so we can go home and be like, all right, I have to work on X, Y, and Z. But can I just say one thing that actually really stood out to me, which can be such a common misconception, especially when you're reading books such as these? So there's a book called Love and Respect. I think it's a great book, classic um, marriage book that hundreds of people are reading, maybe thousands, whatever. But it, the book is pretty much how men need respect and women need love. Well, I remember sitting there with our counselor, and she said, oh, you know, she mentioned this book, and I said, oh, you know, I could probably read it again. I think I did read it. can't remember, but she was asking me questions and came to the conclusion that actually... You were in need of love, and I was in need of respect. And sometimes there's gender roles that are just, we can't always put people into specific boxes in their marriage.
0: I remember that moment because she had said um, there is is a, a nuance to it. It's like, I will need respect in a work balance, but I'll also need love in a home balance. Right. And she said it's too boxy, too black and white, so to speak. She said it's not just that men need respect across the board and women need love across the board. It's that in some aspects of life I need respect, mm. not being undermined. Right. And then there's other aspects of life, especially at home, yeah. where I really needed love. Yeah. You know? And right. so she was saying it's, it's, it's right, right, but it's not the whole answer right?
1: Do you think that could be tied in with like love languages or like love tanks? You know, when you say like in a marriage, if one tank is quite low, then that need is greater. So if you haven't encouraged me in a while, well, if all my other tanks are being filled, like you've bought me gifts or, you know, you've done stuff for me, acts of service, or you physical touch, we've cuddled, but I haven't been verbally encouraged. My love tank would be a little bit more depleted. And so the need for me to feel fully, I guess, loved by you or seen is that I, I need that encouragement. And so perhaps in our marriage, there was a lack of love. And so that need at home was far greater. Perhaps I was respecting you, but perhaps I wasn't. (laughs) So it's like both of them were depleted. And there was just that. Does I don't know. Yeah, I
0: think so. I think there's so much to talk about with love tanks, love languages, how we communicate, how we interact. I think that what, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're trying to highlight is that we were doing the legwork at home, reading and listening to stuff. But sometimes that stuff isn't personally applicable to you right. say you have a book of ten chapters right. six of them might be relevant four might not totally. and it's being able to pick out what you need in the moment right. but that comes also through knowing your blind spots which is what counseling helps you do right which is what friends help you do, hopefully. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm working on this and your friend comes to you and says, Actually, you're really good at that mm-hmm. and you keep doing that because you're really good at it. Right? Why but do- you seem
1: to be avoiding this over here. Exactly. And it's because you're probably not the greatest at it. So you're not putting in
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that that was um that stood out to me. The other thing that stood out, well, and this was pertaining to you, but about you exaggerating. So, <laughs> how I, did that? Can I tell the story? How, yeah, how did that impact you? What What was that about?
0: It's actually it stuck with me even to to this day. There's times where I ask people or comment on people's ex- exaggeration because it's it really it really played into the narrative in my brain. Mm um so long story short is we were we were having one of our counseling sessions where it was one on one so you went first and then I arrived a bit later and there was a a bit of a drive it was about 20-25 minute drive to the counselor and so you were already there and I set off and got going and as I pulled into the car park well that I should say as I pulled into the driveway <laughs> without exaggerating, here we go. Like right? if I pulled into the driveway, I text saying,
1: where are you? Where are you?
0: I can see the car park, but it's probably about half a kilometer down the road. Right. And I in my head think, shouldn't text where I'm driving? The quickest response is here. Four letters, bam, bam, bam. Here.
1: Or I was parking.
0: Whatever it was, yeah. I think to myself, by the time this <clears throat> delivers, she opens and reads it that's what i'll be doing right. however it instantly delivers you instantly open it and i am not outside the window which from the counselors office, she can see the car park
1: <laughs> the counselor and i are looking at the window she's like i don't see him i was like i don't either i was and like
0: 10 9, <laughs> 8, 7. Oh, oh, there he is, is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she never said anything to me though about that, she must have saved it for yeah, she, year 101. She
0: pocketed it, and then <laughs> me and you said, Hi, how is it? Good, good. All right, see you at see home. You later. I yeah. sat down and she looks at me said, So is exaggeration lying? And <laughs> I, I was like, Huh, what? And then she walked me through it and she said, If you have $19.99 in your bank account, can you buy something for $20? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Give me a second, and I'll find a penny.
0: <laughs> right,
1: you were you were convicted.
0: I was convicted, and I remember going to work the next day with a couple of guys, and I was like, "So is exaggeration line. And using her example of the twenty dollars, and we're going into it, and it stuck with me. It's really, really stuck with me. And I catch myself exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll only be ten minutes. Wait,
1: will I actually? You
0: will be half an hour. You, just, but this is the thing with the exaggeration. You're just trying to not disappoint someone. Yeah. Or you're trying to impress someone. Right. And so being okay with the reality of what it is. Right. And that that was something that I had to really work through. Probably still have tendencies in there, habits that are still there of exaggeration. But it's something that I really, really took on board and took home. Right. Um, It might sound insignificant to people, but it meant a lot to me. Mm.
1: Yeah, that was good.
0: So we did a podcast on forgiveness a while back. And I've just been prompted to rehash some things, maybe dig a little deeper. So do you now, today, find it harder to forgive than before everything happened with our marriage? Or would you say it's the same? Is there any difference in there? Easier maybe?
1: I think I find it easier to forgive people.
0: Can you, can you dig into that a bit more?
1: Yeah. In order to forgive our situation, forgive you and that girl, I had to engage my mind and my heart in compassion. I also had to really pull apart the whole situation and look at it for what it was. Look at the state of our marriage. Look at the needs that were at play. She was single. You were hurting. We were disconnected. Like, all of that was a perfect cocktail for what happened. And so pulling it all apart, engaging my heart in compassion, seeing that you were genuinely repentant and broken up about it all, enabled the forgiveness to flow. And like making that choice was a conscious choice. Allowing God to give me perspective that was not my own. So whenever I hear about people hurting other people, intentionally or unintentionally, there's a situation that's fairly close to our our heart just with our family and stuff and you know when I hear things that have been said or hurtful towards my family members, I get a, a surge of injustice initially. And then when I approach it the same way I approached our situation, I just engage my heart, in compassion and I feel like I'm that whole process is so much quicker I mean it says in the Bible that vengeance is mine says the Lord and God is the one who brings people to repentance with his kindness and so if it's his kindness that lead people to repent then I must have to engage in that same com- kindness in order for people to see what they've done and be sorry. So I find it a lot easier to forgive when I see through the lens of the scriptures in the Bible and what Jesus did, and even to the point where he was on the cross and he was saying they know not what they are doing. Like literally the people who are killing me don't know what they're doing. I think there's so much power in forgiveness that we just simply don't and can't comprehend as humans because our pain is so thick. It's so personal. Especially when things have been spoken about us. It's one thing if those people are vile. It's like, well, you're just a vile person. You're awful. You're evil everything you do is is wrong and bad and your life is a mess but when people that we once respected or consider themselves followers of Jesus nonetheless that that just increases the complexity of well how do i process someone who f- confesses to follow Jesus and love God and exemplify him, how can that person be so hurtful to me? And I think that's where the the pain is. It's, it feels different because even in the Bible, Jesus said like, well, it's easy. Even the Pharisees love those who are easy to love. Like it's, It's easy to love someone who's lovable, but to love someone who is not. I feel like that statement just contradicted itself, but I hope what I'm saying is making sense. Like When you have an expectation for someone's character to be at a certain place and then they really hurt you, the forgiveness process is deep and I think it requires understanding that actually we have been in need of forgiveness, and so I must give it freely in order to receive it. But with him, forgiveness is a a lot easier if we can take out the human feeling and need for justice and for that person to know how much pain they've caused us Like Jesus never did that Jesus never expected to inflict pain on the people that were inflicting pain on him He he understood that what he was going through that God would deal with it in the end he would rise up quite literally come back to life and that would be the ultimate example of you know who he was, the revealing of the Son of God. It's like, I wonder if there's something in us when we choose to forgive and we just put it in the Lord's hands, how in the end, those people will soon realize the strength of character we walked in, the amount of love that we had, the ability to be as Jesus was. And I think that would cause remorse and that would probably bring people to repentance. It exposes the darkness in someone when they see that strength of character. That's really good.
0: Um, one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking was that when... when people do things against us that need forgiving. We think of the thing rather than the person. And we don't always look at how could someone get to that point of view? And, and not just ask that question, because I hear people say, how could they do such a thing? But like actually say, okay, myself in their shoes how could I get there and you start seeing thought patterns or attitudes that really quickly you're like oh well a plus b equals c oh I see how they've got there and then once you get that level of compassion empathy for them then you're able to forgive them because although you don't agree with the process and obviously you don't agree with the outcome you can empathize with how they got there. Yeah. And once you can empathize with how they got there, forgiveness is already on, you're already down that road of forgiving them. Mm-hmm. And, and then you just realize, well, okay, I can forgive you for doing this against me. Now, because I am compassionate towards how you got there, I can position my boundaries appropriately. Right. Rather than just cutting you off and saying, you hurt me, we're done. I say, I recognize how you got here, A, B, C, D, and I'm going to put up boundaries in this area. If it's a gossipy thing, I'm just not going to tell you stuff anymore. I'm not even going to tell your spouse or sibling stuff anymore because I know it's just going to get out there, right? You're no
1: longer in that safe part of my life.
0: Exactly, right? And so because... I engaged in compassion and empathy and I was able to see the, the, the road they walked down, I can now protect myself in the future without actually cutting them off completely. Mm. And then recognizing that they didn't don't now have the same position in my life and the same power over my emotions or, or whatever power over my um, choices and decision-making, hopefully will lead them to a place that like, oh, maybe I screwed up here.
1: Yeah.
0: And come back and have a conversation with you. And it could be that you were wrong Mm -hmm. and the miscommunication and all of it. But if that door is still open and you've just positioned yourself, I'm not cutting you off. I'm just protecting myself. Mm -hmm. There is now the potential for a conversation in the future. But too many of us don't know how to forgive, so we're just cut off.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about Joseph and how his brothers were jealous of him, and I just I want to end off here. You know, jealousy amongst Christians, whether it's position or place, ultimately led to his brothers wanting him killed. I mean, that is insane. That was totally an issue of his brothers. They didn't manage themselves, and they engaged in jealousy. And Ultimately, you see on the end where Joseph said, no, it's not that you sold me into slavery. It's It's that God led me to this place where I can now deliver you Mm -hmm. and spare your life. You know, what started out as an evil plan turned out for Joseph to be the one who really fulfilled the dreams that he received. Those dreams that he got were fulfilled. He did save his, his brothers. And I think the ability to forgive them led his brothers to complete and total repentance. Um, they saw how God worked that whole situation. And they must have felt so awful. But Joseph's perspective is what changed everything. Joseph, everything that he had gone through, he still was able to be like, God, you... You led me to this place, you allowed this, and you turned this situation for good.